This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Aloha, everybody, and welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones, broadcasting from the beautiful hill country of Texas. Now, if you're a longtime listener to this show, you know that's not how the show used to begin. The show used to begin broadcasting from the beautiful west side of Oahu. Hawaii is my home. My children are from Hawaii. Lived there for 31 years. And um, everything beautiful in my life is a gift from Hawaii. Moved there as a 17-year-old boy, served there in the Army, went to Leeward Community College uh, after the military and then the University of Hawaii. Was very active in politics there and radio and media and ministry. Uh, Hawaii is where I met my closest and best friends. It's where I still have family. And my daughter has her businesses and my mother-in-law lives and uh, it's our home. Now, my podcast, I founded it to serve the most vulnerable people in the world, to be a voice for the vulnerable. And it breaks my heart that today's show is about the people of Lahaina. It's for the people of Maui. And um, the idea that I would have to launch a Hope for Hawaii campaign through the Vulnerable People Project is heartbreaking. My guest today is Dallas Carter. He's a native Hawaiian. He is uh, he's the founder of a school. He is an evangelist and a Christian apologist. He is, as a native Hawaiian, he is also a historian of the Hawaiian Islands and of the history of the Hawaiian people and especially of the history of Christianity in the Hawaiian Islands. So today's show, you are going to hear about Lahaina. You're going to hear about Maui. Lahaina is actually Really, the birthplace used to be the capital of Hawaii, and it was the birthplace of Christianity in the Hawaiian Islands and a church that was going to be 200 years old this year um, is now gone. There are about 1,000 people still missing. It's really devastating. And for the people of Hawaii, this is, um, and this is, this is, it is the only way I can explain it is when I saw the first clips coming, the only other time in my life I felt like this was 9-11. And um, I couldn't even look. I had spent the whole day, actually it's been the past week, I was in Washington, D.C. in meetings from sun up to way after the sun was down, advocating for vulnerable communities, but especially we were working for our Afghan allies and Christians who we have in hiding trying to get their visas and their humanitarian parole processed. And we were also traveling with a Christian leader from Ukraine, sharing uh, with politicians and the media on the brutality of Russia and the occupied, in occupied Ukraine and its persecution of Christians, evangelicals especially, and Catholics. So came out of my meetings, and I saw this, and I, couldn't, I didn't want to look at it. I did not want to look at it. I did not want to believe that this was real. And then my phone began to fill with messages from friends from Maui and from Oahu telling me um, what they were seeing and what their family and friends told told them that they were seeing. And it was unimaginable and un, it was unbelievable. And now as the, as the, the 
the the totality of the destruction is is beginning to be revealed it is really something so i had to do the show now vpp is launching a campaign hope for hawaii we partnered with epic ministries dallas carter is their president uh, he's going to walk us through a bit about hawaiian history about the history of lahaina and about what the people of lahaina need now if you want to support the people of maui go into the show notes click the link 100% of your donation through that link, 100% will go directly to the people of Lahaina. We already have people on the ground. And Dallas, in this interview, reads to you some of the messages, the heartbreaking messages that he's receiving from the ground. In the coming weeks and months, uh, the FEMA and very large organizations will be setting up camp. But the work that needs to be done now is going to be done by small organizations that are already there and VPP and Epic Ministries are there. So I just want to get on with the interview. It's a pretty heavy show, uh, obviously, but um, you're going to learn more on this episode of the Jason Jones show about Lahaina and Maui. You're going to get a little bit of depth and intimacy that you're not going to find anywhere else. So let's get on with the show. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. Uh, support our work or become a monthly donor as we seek to serve the most vulnerable people in the world or go into the show notes and click the link there and 100% of your donation will go directly to the people of Lahaina. As we have said in the past when we're working in Afghanistan or other places, your donation today will be on the ground working tomorrow. That is true. That is true. And 100% of your donation to the link in the show notes will be on the ground tomorrow. All right, my interview with Dallas Carter, the tragedy in Lahaina, the Jason Jones Show. Dallas Carter, welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me on. Of course, I know you're busy and... um, First of all, okay, you you are board president of, of Epic Ministries, and um, tell us what Epic stands for and what your mission statement is. Uh, Epic Ministries stands for Ever Present in Christ. And our mission that is very core is to lead young adults to uh, follow Christ and to empower them through various different uh, means to follow and to nurture the relationship with Christ. And... You and I are old friends, but we worked together during COVID. You launched uh, a program to care for the elderly and the vulnerable through Epic. Tell us about that real quick before we get to Lahaina. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, back during the shutdowns that uh, happened here in Hawaii, uh, Epic Ministry uh, was an uh, essential part in starting an initiative called Kupuna Need. The word Kupuna means elder in Hawaiian. And uh, so during the pandemic, Kupuna Needs was established, and throughout a period of six to seven months during that time, we were able to feed over a quarter million people throughout uh, the island of Oahu, as well as the island of Maui, um, during that time when uh, there was a food shortage and people were isolated in their homes, unable to get food. And that's what we did for the initial six, six months or so of the shutdown here in Hawaii. You know, we're and, I, and, and guys, we're going to get to Maui, but I think that's the reason I'm setting the stage with these questions is there's a, a, a rhyme to my reason to my rhyme. Hawaii's been through a lot, so 
people find it, I probably they don't understand how devastating COVID and the co- the response to COVID was in Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, there were lines seven miles long from Aloha Stadium to almost Kapolei, people right. waiting for free food. I mean, explain to people how uh, some of the stories about just how hard it was, especially for the elderly. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- there's so many different angles to approach that question, but I think what what the audience needs to realize is that we are an island state, and as such, we can't necessarily drive to another state or you know uh, any place else to get resources that we need. The resources that we have are the resources that we have, and um, during that time, to to add to that uh, to that limitation you had just a, a slew of state and city mandates that were put down uh, on us, some with very, very heavy you know, legal penalties, and they were very confusing laws. And so there was a lot of confusion, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear during that time, and especially for the elderly, especially the elderly whose children may have moved away and were not able to fly back because of the restrictions, they were uh, confused, scared, um, you know, uncertain, and some of them uh, were too afraid to leave their homes. And we realized that this was a, a, a real a reality, a somber reality throughout our island, um, that there were people who, this, the stories that you would hear every day, we would show up through Kupuna Need to deliver food to their homes. And I can't tell you how many times I met people older folks, kupuna, that said that they hadn't eaten in two days, that there was nothing in the refrigerators, and they were just so confused. And let me, let me, let me tell you, just the And Maui was the it, worst, and Maui had the most brutal restrictions, right? So... No, it's, yep, yeah, they did. And, you know, the, something to really bring this to home, you know, really bring this to the forefront, is some of the uh, uh, elders that we met were people of, of wealth. They had a lot of money. It was not about not having their own financial resources. They would even give us large donations for what we dropped off. They were simply scared into isolation with and confused of what to do. And so we stepped up and did our best to um, comfort them and to give them the supplies they needed to, to, to live. Well, and that's why I wanted to have you on because you, you know, you've, you're a Catholic apologist. You founded a school. Um, you're, you know, probably one of the most active. There's such a beautiful Catholic community in the Hawaiian Islands, and um, but you're at the forefront of serving the vulnerable across the state. And so here we are. So I'm going to set the stage for you, Dallas. I was in Washington, D.C. I with my team fighting for um, visas for Afghan allies and also trying to push back on um, some of the really disgusting propaganda that Russia is spreading about Christians in Ukraine. And uh, so we felt like we had a really good day. Then my phone just started getting flooded with these images from Maui that I couldn't even look at. I couldn't even, and I can't even comprehend it. So, and I called you and I said, Dallas, I feel ashamed. Like, I don't know what's going on and I don't even want to know. Like, I feel like I can't even look. And you said, don't feel ashamed. Like those of us on Oahu, we don't even know what's going on. That's right. That's right. So what can you share with us? I'm getting reports that I don't even want to repeat. Um, mm-hmm. And every time I think of it, I just start, I just started breaking down crying. Um, right. I'm getting reports from friends in Maui that are really unbelievable. 
and I don't even want to say it out loud is if I don't want it to be true. So I'm yeah, just not even yeah. going to repeat it. But can you tell us what we do know okay. uh, about the devastation in Lahaina? Yeah, so uh, to start off, I just want to say, because I know people have this question of how the fires there started. And then I'll very quickly get into what we know and the reality of what's happening there right now. Uh, the fires started uh, from a, a very rare set of circumstances. They do not know literally what sparked the fire, even though there are some uh, very, uh, very believable explanations. And I'll share the one that seems to be the, 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 the running belief. But um, the, the, the conditions were that we had a hurricane pass south of us by hundreds of miles. Um, I believe it was named Hurricane Dora. And we had a high wind warning uh, issued to us several days before the fire, um, before this all came down. And a high wind warning saying that the wind would get, between, get up between 40 and 50 miles per hour. And they're just simply remnants of this Hurricane Dora. But they also warned that we which is very rare for us, had very dry conditions. Usually we have a lot of humidity in our air, but because of uh, uh, the hurricane and some other, you know, climate, you know, uh, circumstances during that time, uh, weather circumstances, we had dry weather. And so they warned that wildfires could be a possibility. Now, maybe once every other year, we have a warning similar, and then we see a little, you know, uh, a, little, a little fire in the mountains and then it's easily put out. Well, that's the warning we got. I remember driving to work, hearing that warning. And then um, it was, you know, several days later as I drove into work that I received news and started seeing the same images you did, Jason. Because remember, a lot of this happened overnight. And as having happened overnight, I woke up. I don't turn the news on right away. I'm drinking my coffee, getting the kids in the car. It wasn't until about 7 a.m. my time that I was informed of the devastation in Lahaina. And the running, the running uh, belief of how it started is that the wind itself knocked over some electric poles that sparked the flames. Um, now, now, that's not confirmed, but that's what they believe started the fire. And then the high winds that fanned it, along with the dry conditions, are what caused it to spread. And the reports that we have is that because of the speed of the wind, once enough caught on fire, you're talking about fires that spread um, nearly one mile a minute. As in, that's how fast this devastation occurred. And if you see videos and Instagram, I mean, Dallas, which, if if that's yeah. the case, I don't. I mean, it's unimaginable how many people really are. Are we're going to find out have passed away? It's unimaginable. Yeah. Well, okay. So I I will tell you that as of right now. The, the, what we do know, there are 50, I believe, 50, I, I'm going to say 53 because that's what I received last night. I believe they have officially made it higher. It's 55 50, as of an hour 55. ago. Okay. Okay, yeah. So 55 have been have been reported um, dead, and um, it's very tragic um, that there are even videos. Uh, I'm not trying to get people to go watch it, but videos of people escaping, and you can see people just passed out in the middle of the road you know and these poor people who are trying to escape you can't blame them they're they're surrounded by flames they're running they can't pick up the person on the ground you know yeah and it's just all chaos but there's been 55 confirmed dead but i will tell you that something else that is confirmed is that there are still over a thousand people that we know of that are missing and so only now is the search really continuing because 
until last night, there was still smoldering and the fire had not yet been declared contained. And so there are thousands missing, or at least over a thousand missing, and 53 confirmed dead. And uh, this is, at this point, the second largest natural disaster we've ever had in Hawaii. Um, back in the 1960s, there were some natural disasters that I believe claimed um, 61 people, um, but we're at 55. And I think that the reality is, is as they do more searching, they're going to find more people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, you know, so, yeah. All right. All right. So we and we know tragically that that number is going to rise. We just know that. We yeah. hope that in the yeah, chaos yeah. or uh, in the confusion, those no, we obviously want those numbers to be as low as possible. Um, there's. Uh, I have a friend and his wife that are missing. So I've. We're. I'm from college. Yeah. And I'm pinging a bunch of my friends, and we're all trying to figure out right. where he is. He's an athlete and a strong guy. So, um. All right, so here's the deal. Vulnerable People Project is all in. As you know, and you, you can testify to this, even when I left Hawaii, when we moved during COVID, I said, I'm not leaving Hawaii. I'm on a forward deployment. Right. And I always have looked at all the work I do is to protect my family, my friends, and my loved ones. And because Hawaii is so vulnerable, I said, to save Hawaii, you have to save the world. There's just no, like, protecting Hawaii. Right. It's, it's unfortunately... Um, Maybe if it was a little north or a little south, it wouldn't be so important, but it's like the most strategic place in the world. And it's the mm -hmm. furthest place in the world from any other place in the world. And not only do we right. have COVID, but we, and maybe we can talk about this at the end of the show if there's time, mm -hmm. you and I, our families got a lot of media coverage for how we responded to the fake nuclear missile attack, which was bizarre. That's true. And yeah. our yeah, families responded true. in completely different ways. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, we, but we responded, but we responded, and um, I want to talk about that maybe later. But we're all in. Like VPP is on, and I promise you, I'm about to send a personal email to all of my major donors to VPP, and say, look, we have leaned in and leveraged. I've leveraged everything I can to serve the most vulnerable people in the world, and now it's my own home, our own family, and our friends. Are right. right. and explain to people what it's like on the ground because. It's not good. You'd think we're the, we're the most wealth, we're the wealthiest, powerful country in the world. It must be taken care of already, and 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 the response is, has been effective. But you, can you explain to people what it's like on the ground right now in Maui? Yeah, no, for sure. And in fact, uh, while we do that, I will uh, I'll explain just very briefly before we get into the details of what we're doing through Epic Ministry. That I did receive um, a message from our leader. Uh, and uh, it's a very raw message because she did not make this message with the intention of it being read on a on a podcast. But I'd like to just read. Um, her name is Pua uh, Kaili'i, and she she is our feet on the ground. She's a member of Ethic Ministry that lives in Maui, in uh, the Wailuku area. So not where Lahaina is, but she she you know she got her crew together and we were able to send them some money to go and start to help and i want to just read what uh she sent to me this morning very raw um again um unedited here and this is what she said she said the feeling around maui is just so heavy it's unbelievable what's happened here and to know there's total destruction just miles away from us is heartbreaking the families we've helped today are extremely thankful and just speechless about what they've seen and lost. One of the families we were trying to get to today was just coming out of Lahaina and said that they only had 8% battery left 
and had to find some way to charge their phone so that we can get in contact with them to help them later. We've seen so many people in their car parking lots taking naps, some of them with whatever they could pack up in their car. Kylie, one of our core team members, went to help at the War Memorial Shelter. My mom's co-worker's sister-in-law came from Lahaina with soot all over her face with a five-year-old boy who was separated from his mom. A firefighter asked her to bring him home and house him. I have family safe at their home in Napili, and they're rationing their food and gas propane because they don't know if they go out, what to go to get more, or if they'll get back in and getting them information about where the dropouts are, there is hard as well. Just sharing some of this with you in hopes that it might help relay to others just how devastating this all is and how much help we need on Maui. People have lost everything. And so, sorry, sorry, Jason, it's hard for me to even read that stuff. No, I know, um, I know. But, but that, that, is, that is the reality of, you know, of, of where we're at and it's the reality of what's going on, you know, um, in Maui. And just that story of a lady coming out of Lahaina holding a five-year-old um, that is not hers because the firemen begged her to take this child who was separated, um, you know, separated uh, from their parents. Can you think and of a place even, on the world, in, a, in the world, can you think of a place in the world where you would feel more safe and more secure than Lahaina Maui? Sorry, can you repeat that? I just I started rereading this and I got distracted. No, I, and I want you to reread the part about the, the. I want you to read the part where you got choked up because we lost you. But I mean, if you just, yeah. we all feel secure, right? Like, like the whole idea of my podcast, it's be vulnerable is our motto. Our VPP yeah. is to serve the most vulnerable people in the world. Vulnerable people aren't weak people; they're strong people placed in impossible situations. And it doesn't matter who you are; you can be the wealthiest man in the world. Jeff Bezos can get Parkinson's tomorrow. And all right. of a sudden, quickly, he's going to become very extremely vulnerable and he's going to need mm-hmm. little nurses to change his bedpan, right? right? So Muhammad right. Ali was the strongest man in the world. And then just a few years later, he can barely walk and talk. That's right. And if you look at a community like Lahaina, it's yeah. impossible. It's just, it seems like I recently gave a speech in Uvalde and mm-hmm. I was just in Kiev and you, you just, you, we never know in our home life, in our personal lives, in our health, or in our family, or in our neighborhood, in our community, when disaster strikes. But that's why God made us as a family. He made us, we're social creatures. We're to share mm-hmm. each other's burdens. But I think as Americans, we always think that it's our job to care for others. I always think that, oh, it's my job, you know, it's my job to do the heavy lifting for those who can't, but there's going to come a time where someone's going to have to change my bedpan too. Right. I mean, this is where we all go, but I would never imagine that I could see that. I I just, I could imagine catastrophes in Honolulu and other place, but I could never imagine this in of all places, Lahaina. No, it won't be. So let me tell you, I mean, some of the, some of the tragic losses we have as far as, um, we don't have too much time to go into this, but the rich history of Lahaina, something I could speak about for days. It was the home of our, of our ancient chief. It is the home of um, 
really the birthplace of much of Christianity in all of Hawaii. And in fact, one of the structures that was completely obliterated was um, Waiola Church, who was just months away from celebrating its 200-year anniversary. If you're talking about a place that you thought would never disappear, that was, that was completely safe, and that would go down as one of the most legendary towns of all time, and continue to thrive and continue to make more history, it would be, of course, uh, Lahaina. And it's just not the case. That's not what happened. And that's what's so shocking about this. And uh, it's just me talking about it, going through all the memories I have of my time, you know, in Lahaina is just, you know, um, something that I've been dreaming about every night. Um, walking walking the, the road there on Date Street and, you know, seeing the beautiful Maria Lanakula Church and um, all of that. It's just absolutely devastating to know that it's all been damaged and most of it's absolutely gone. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, uh, it's on, and it's just, do you feel like I had this feeling? Why does Hawaii keep getting kicked? It just feels like it's been one thing after the other after the other. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that there, there, there ends up being, you know, uh, reflecting on some of the issues that arise from the isolation from others. I think about how here on Oahu, I mean, even just the difference between Oahu and Maui. On Oahu, we have, I mean, dozens of fire stations. And if we had a wildfire like that, you could call all the fire stations at once. And they'd all be here. And maybe it would be under control. But I wonder... In, in Maui, how many, how many fire stations are there relative to over here? Maybe they had two or three that were able to help. And that kind of resource makes it extreme, that kind of lack of resource makes it extremely vulnerable. Makes it extremely vulnerable when we are, you know, when disasters like this strike. No. Yeah. And then, you know, we all want to place blame, right? So I, I do. I'm angry. And then I'm asking myself. I know this is true with a lot of the wildfires in the mainland. Why weren't there breaks? I, you know, I'm like, have the environmentalists pre- 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 prevented us from doing breaks in Maui like they have on the mainland that cause these wildfires to just run amok? Uh, then I've been getting pinged. I got pinged by a very influential man who said this was done by an energy weapon. And I'm like, oh, please, no. So there are always also this like conspiracy theories. Have you been hearing conspiracy theories arising? Whenever there's a catastrophe, it's hard to wrap our mind around it, right? So we want to blame somebody. So are there conspiracy yeah. theories starting to spread? Yeah, I've heard. I've heard so many. I, I'm not, you know. I, I guess for me, I, I, I've heard. I've heard some people that said that um, maybe the state absolutely messed up because they. Um, announced that it was dry and that there was winds and that we were, you know, vulnerable for um, wildfires. And that people took advantage of that, that wanted to, there are people of interest that they're looking at um, that may have been at the, at at the beginning of it. And there's all of these things. So is this, would this be like arson, like homeless people start arson or something like this or, or more malicious? Yeah. I, I, I don't know all of the details. I think that there's both. There's some that say that it is malicious. There's some theories about that. And there's a whole bunch of, you know, varying different um, 
you know, theories on, you know, that are floating around the internet. But uh, I think for me, even though those are important to eventually get to, I think for me, the way that I work is no matter what, it happens, right? Yeah. It happens. So what are we going to do now to help them now? Because there is no undoing it. And I, I think that we help the people that are in desperate need now, people who are vulnerable right now. And then we get, we circle back to figuring out what the cause was and then seeking justice if we can, if we can, um, you know, show that it was done with, uh, malice or even done without some, you know, without specific malice, but as some sort of prank or, or someone who is mentally ill. I mean, we have a lot of, exactly. mental, we have a lot of homeless exactly. with, you know, mental illness and, um, but it is interesting how we always, whenever there's a catastrophe, we want to find someone to blame. You know, it's that's that right. we have to, we want to. And so I was getting calls from Maui um, very early on from people who are saying this, this conspiracy or that conspiracy. But I'm with you yeah. more just because um, I would rather, you look at how both of us responded during COVID. We just got to work caring for our, our neighbors without home. Well, I really focused a lot on homeless. You focused on the elderly. Um, and that was just, there's just too much work to do. Let other people kind of try to figure things out like that. I'm, right. I just want to help those people right now who are desperate. Absolutely. Not that if there, this was arson, obviously, or if this was intentional, we want justice. But, um, right. but it is just confusing. You just think, you just look at it and you know, it took me maybe 12 hours after I saw my first, I, I just shut it. I didn't look at it. And then I waited like 12, I was working in DC. So I'm just waiting till the end of the work day. That's when I called you because I couldn't even look in the direction of what was going on. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, unlike I, even, even myself, unlike, uh, COVID where I was on an Island and I could be mobile. And I, I could do many different things because I had I had the time, I had the resources, and we were able to do things. Um, you know, it's it's difficult for me even right now. Um, I am the principal at St. Michael's School on Oahu, uh, and I'm trying to run a school, <laughs> dealing with all of the the day in and day out of a school. And I can't stop thinking about how badly I wish I was on Maui right now. And figuring out some, you know, connection I have with someone so I can be there helping do anything, helping find people, helping pick up trash, whatever it takes, anything. And I wish I was there, but, you know, we've created some very viable and I can share some good news with you later of how what we have done has already affected the people on the ground there. And I think it's just the beginning of, you know, what Epic is going to be able to do and others will be able to do to really make an impact on the ground right now, um, you know, to, to help these people in their greatest time of need. Yeah, I know that's the thing. I texted you, right? Me, I almost jumped on a plane. I get mad at people. I will often get calls from people. Jason, how can I help in Ukraine? I'm ready to come over there with you right now. Or how can I help right. in Afghanistan? I'm ready to come over there with you right now. And I'm thinking, slow down, Rambo. Uh, you know how you could help me invite your friends over to your house, share them our work raise some money and send it to us, you know? Um, right. And I'm like, I'm becoming that guy, right? Like I texted you, Dallas, do you need me? Didn't I texted you, right? Do you need, I can jump on a plane right now. And you said, hold down, hold up, hold up Rambo. You basically yeah, said, yeah, yeah. slow down Rambo. Yeah. What you need me to do, yeah. how I can be of use to you, how I can be of use 
to the people of Maui is to use the organization that I founded and run to serve vulnerable people to get the resources you need. Now, it would maybe feel better for me to go over there and help. That would make me feel better, like make me feel useful. But how I can be useful is to get the resources to the volunteers you, you already have on the ground. Right, right. So I'll tell you on that note. Right. My donors, VPP supporters, and I want to thank those of you who already donated, uh, have already, um, we've already raised $4,000 for you. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's wonderful. I'm, 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 I'm betting we're to 10000 by the end of today. 100% of what we're raising goes directly to you. There's going to be no administrative fee or anything. Oh, yeah. For you oh, yeah. Guys, and you know that. Like, you've worked with me before. You know that's how we do it. For those right. of you guys right. who are listening, in the show notes, you will see our HopeForHawaii.com link. Please go there and click on the link and donate. I want to let you know also there's a coffee shop in our town. The guy, I didn't have to ask him. He knows his name is TJ Langer. He owns this coffee shop called Cora Cora. He pinged me. He said, how do I help? I want to raise money. Uh, he works for 3M. He's I'm going to see what 3M can do. Cora Cora is going to throw a fundraiser for you. Let's see what we can do to help the people of Hawaii. So people love Hawaii. They love the people of Hawaii. So I, the world, I think, is going to step up in a way that that is unimaginable. But the, but the reality is a lot of these big organizations don't have access to the community the way you do and the way we do and I do. And you're going to be able to slip through the nooks and the crannies to get the aid, to get the cell phones, to get the water, to get the shelter, to get what we need to get to the people like right now, maybe in a month, the big organizations will be able to help in really big ways. But what, what we need right now is to get the water, the potable water, the shelters, the cell phones so that they can talk to their loved ones, the plane tickets so they can get home. Um, we can do that. I know that you have to uh, to go run your school. You run a school. I'm going to be doing a right. pilgrimage, as you know. We're going to you're going to be speaking to my um, the pilgrims as we yeah, come to yeah, Kalapapa yeah, at the sure. end of January. I want to ask everyone also if you want to go on a a pilgrimage with me to Kalapapa the, to the home of Saint Damien Saint Marianne Cope. It's in there. Dallas, that money, 100% of the profit is going to VPP, but I'm going to direct it now. So 100, this is going to be, as you know, there's going to be children without parents. There's so much that's going to need to be done. It's going to take a decade to rebuild. Um, 100% of this pilgrimage is going to go to the Hope for Hawaii Fund and our partnership with Epic. And I can't wait to... Uh, have you as a native Hawaiian, as a Catholic apologist, speak to our our pilgrims. Is there anything you want to share about just the people of Hawaii, the Hawaiians, um, before we go? Anything you want to tell us about Maui before we go? Well, I just want to I just want to share that you know, all, I, I am very grateful for this opportunity to to uh, to share you know some of the stories that we have from the people on the ground right now. I, I will tell you that. Um, we already have been able to use the funds we've raised already to directly um, help families who have been affected. And in fact, Jason, earlier, I sent you a picture of one of the families who lost their home, but we were able to reach them and just give them supplies, um, you know, where they're at. And we, we helped find them a friend's house up there to stay at for the time being. And, you know, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very, very happy. Now there's some other big organizations that for sure will go in and, the, uh, FEMA and others are going to be making their way there and the Red Cross and those are all 
organizations that will offer tremendous help. What makes me, uh, gives me some comfort um, in, in some small way is knowing that Epic is already there meeting face-to-face with the victims, the people who have suffered and is, you know, um, uh, able, you know, to, 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 to help them right now. And I, I think that this is just the beginning. I'm hoping to help dozens, if not hundreds of families in the immediate future, as in today, tomorrow, the next day. And, you know, even if it's just small in comparison to what um, other big supports coming in from Red Cross, et cetera, we can say that we did what we could in the best of our, within, you know, within our ability to help the vulnerable in Maui. Well, let me tell you, Dallas, and it's weird. And you know, you know, you're very familiar with the work that VPP does. Right now, we're in Nigeria, Malawi, Sudan, South Sudan, Afghanistan, and every province, Ukraine. One of the things that we found, and the way we work is we work with the indigenous communities. We knit together partnerships with tribes, with uh, religious associations, um, with all of these different, with families and clans and these different types of networks. We knit them together to be our team mm-hmm. in serving the community that we're working with and for. And what we found is this allows us to get much, it's 93% of our money's raised goes directly to mission. And, um, and this is how you break through bureaucracies. You, you know, you, 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 um, you're, you're not hemmed in by compliance lawyers and by all of these different rules and things. Um, and you have people who are affected fighting for their community. I never thought that I would be knitting together something like this in my own home state. You know, we're using the same strategy that we would use. And, you know, in Nigeria, there's attacks on Christian communities. We organize the Christian communities. We find lay leaders and priests. We knit them together. They become a team. Well, this is exactly what we're doing in Maui. When you do this, you know, first of all, these people are going to be the most intentional. They're from the community serving their community. And so not one penny is going to drop to the floor. Um, and in the initial confusion and crisis, these large organizations, they're not very good at responding. So right now is Epic is going to be the most. And we saw it during COVID. You know, I was the only one out there feeding the homeless. That everyone right. else respected the rules. They were told not to feed the homeless. I'm like, yeah, go away. Right. <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. I got arrested. And yeah. the police were hounding me every time we rolled out to feed the homeless. We just did it. The large organizations stopped because they were told to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, you're absolutely right about that. And, and I think that that's, that's the other thing, too, is, you know, even right now, um, I try to be in a, in the loop of what all the organizations are doing but what i sense from a lot of them is they're still sitting back assessing okay well go ahead and assess i'm going to go ahead and just start helping right now because that's that's what we can do you know and um so you're absolutely right and that that's why you know uh these organizations these grassroots homegrown organizations really are like the they're very first on the scene we can help right now and you know we do need those other resources hopefully they come through but when, when uh, they get restricted, when they get their hands tied behind their back, we want to be the ones that are there continuing to help. That's awesome, brother. Um, all right, what's the website? Okay, so I'm going to probably put it in your show notes because it is a link that we have. Our website is epicministry.net. However, the, the link that we have for um, this particular um, for this particular uh, uh, fundraiser that we have, I'll, 
I'll send to you. You can put in the show notes, but I do like what you're doing with VPT. And if they send to you, you and I are in contact and we'll make sure that we get the funds over to Lahaina. Just like VPT, um, we, there is no administrative fees on our side whatsoever. If you go through our link, I believe there's a 30 cent, 30 cent processing fee to get to our bank account. Other than that, every penny goes directly to Maui. So we, we, all the funds that are collected for this will go uh, 100% to uh, the victims and the vulnerable that are in Maui right now. All right, Dallas. Well, we're putting together volunteer teams. We're going to be working very hard to fundraise. You just keep sending us those Excel files with your needs, and, and I'm going to do my best to make sure we, we help you meet all of them. Okay, brother? Thank you. Thank you so much, brother. All right. Have a good day at school. All right. You too. All right, guys, this was a short show. Dallas had to get to school. I really did not want to do this show. I don't even want to think about this. I now kind of understand when I get so frustrated when I'm trying to get people to pay attention to a crisis, whether it's the catastrophe in Afghanistan, uh, and people want to look away, look away, and I'm like, my job is to get people to look. And here, I, I don't even want to look. I don't even want to talk about it. Um, it's, it's, I'm so kind of just shocked. But this is our mission, and this is my family, literally, family, and my closest friends. So I want to thank all of you who have already donated. I've never seen anything like this. People have been emailing me unsolicited. People have been sharing our link unsolicited. People have been calling me, Jason, how can I help? Unsolicited. So um, go into our show notes. You'll see those links that where you can donate or go to hopeforhawaii.com. You know, we have our hope for Afghanistan, hope for Nigeria, hope for Malawi, hope for Ukraine. Um, hope for uh, Iraq. We have all these programs and I can never imagine that I would be one day saying, go to hopeforhawaii.com. It's just unbelievable to me. It's really just absolutely unbelievable to me. But when you go to hopeforhawaii.com, you will know 100% of your donation will be going directly to serve the people of Lahaina. And as I always say, the, the, the vulnerable are not weak people. They're strong people been being placed in an impossible situation. But when we stand with them, um, the impossible becomes possible. But here is the reality. There are children today who have lost their parents, parents who have lost their children, spouses who were separated and lost each other. I saw one man who, who was separated from his wife as they jumped into the water to swim away from the fire, and he lost her. Um, this is something that the people of Lahaina um, are going to be impacted uh, in the most devastating and personal ways. The entire island of Maui, um, will be forever changed, and their hearts will be forever broken. This is what happens when a catastrophe happens, and and it's going to ripple across the Hawaiian Islands. And I know so many of you, you know, um, my heart is Hawaii, and so many of you love Hawaii. There's something so special about the people of Hawaii, and you know, people always want to wonder what it is. I'm going to really tell you. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ is reflected through the Hawaiian culture, and it's some, that's what aloha is, and it's something that's very special. By the 1850s, Hawaii was the most Christian kingdom in the world. And that culture that we've all come to love is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dallas Carter is continuing with that native Hawaiian tradition of fidelity to Jesus Christ and fidelity to his community. So now is our opportunity. And again, I'm so sorry that this show, I feel all of a sudden it sounds like a Feed the Children commercial, Feed the Children infomercial. Um, but I founded this podcast. Um, I founded this podcast so that I could build a tribe and then mobilize them to serve the vulnerable. I said in the very first show, listen to it, 
with Mario. I said, my goal is to try to be winsome, funny, and entertaining. When no one's paying attention, I'm going to try to motivate them to stand with those who are facing genocide, democide, or war. And here we have the people of Hawaii facing a horrible catastrophe. And, and as you can see, I have my do not disturb, and people are blowing up my phone. I don't know how that got through that do not disturb, probably because he's calling me five times. But um, so go to hopeforhawaii.com. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. Um, please stand with us, okay? Um, this has been the Jason Jones Show. I'm probably going to do several shows uh, about what's happening in Maui. We have a lot of shows coming up. I've been traveling quite a bit, and um, I'll be traveling quite a bit over the next nine months all over the world. But January, December and January, I'll be in Hawaii, and you can be with me. I'll put the tour, the, the pilgrimage notes uh, in the show notes. Um, go, to, uh, You'll see that I'm doing a pilgrimage to Kalapapa, Dallas Carter is going to be one of our guides sharing with us about the history of Christianity and Catholicism in Hawaii. If you want to go to that, know that 100% of the profits go to VPP, and I'm directing all of that to our Hope for Hawaii campaign. All right, guys. All right, until next time, this has been the Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Mm-hmm.